It's Monday the 29th of April 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Jonas Moody, writer and translator who works in advertising and journalism. Welcome to you. Thanks very much. Um, as this is actually the first time we've ever done this show with just two people in the studio, um, I've decided to dial back the pressure a bit to talk at length on just a few topics, and instead we'll just uh, go through the news one by one and move through them at our own pace. I think that'd be the easiest way. That sounds good. I'm woefully unprepared. Excellent. So this should just be a super-duper show, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if we cover any topics in 20 seconds, you know why. All right. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, let's start with the weekend's biggest story, even though there is really not a lot to say about it at this stage, um, and that is that two Icelanders were arrested in northern Norway. Um, one of them stands accused of murder on Saturday morning. Um, a court there will be asked this evening to remand one of them, who is actually the victim's half-brother, um, in custody for four weeks while the investigation continues, and the other who is accused of involvement but not the actual killing, uh, to one week in custody pending trial. The facts, as I say, are scarce, but we do know the victim had successfully taken out a restraining order against the alleged perpetrator a week before, and that he was shot dead outside his home in an 800-person village in the far north of the country, uh, which is actually home to about 30 Icelanders, because there's, I believe, an Icelandic-owned fishing company there. Mm. The two men have not been interrogated by police, but that will happen on Wednesday, and they they didn't uh, resist arrest. It's an interesting story. This is the sort of thing that really lights up um, conversation in Iceland, isn't it? When Absolutely. Any time there's a murder, not, not in this time, not in Iceland, but connected to Icelanders, that always that always piques interest. Mm-hmm. It's it's a fortunate thing, obviously, that there's not a lot of murder or crime in general in the country. But when it does happen, I feel like people get hot. Yeah, and this time, really interesting that it's happened in Norway. So that's added an extra element of intrigue to it, and right. and. and Family, I mean, you do. I don't want to say anything because we don't know anything at this stage. No, there's there's so few details, and I think that lack of details, that scarcity of information that's coming out of the story, mm. is something else that piques people's interest. Mm. It's, it rings a little bit like uh, there was that story last Easter. Um, he got convicted just this month now for um, murdering his brother or half brother, but that was in Iceland, okay. was on, on a farm in the in the southwest of the country, and that was. An interesting story too, but it is a different element when you've got the Norwegian police controlling it and, mm-hmm. and, and the Norwegian media control not necessarily controlling our access to the information, but certainly that's where we're getting our information from. Right? No, it's it's a different it's 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 a different sort of echo space that that story is is playing out in, mm. and a, a, a different society entirely as well. One that perhaps ha- this this sort of thing happens more often. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean. Probably not in the far north of the country, no, though. No, no. But, uh, yeah. And then there's the family tie between the two of these two, which is also intriguing. Yeah, it is. When Icelanders get arrested for for various things abroad, it's always in the media. Um, but this time, of course, the victim is also Icelandic. Right. I understand. No information on who that is yet, because the Icelandic government or authorities haven't necessarily told everybody um, or made contact with all the friends and family yet. No. So out of respect, they've not told us. Right, and that's something that happens quite frequently here. Mm. But big violations like this, uh, murder and other and, and, and other big crimes like this, yeah, whenever they happen outside of the country, I think that because it happens so rarely here, I mean, those, those are big headlines. Mm. They are. And it's a big water cooler conversation too right now. Yeah. 
It's not like people are rubbernecking. They don't. They're not enjoying it. But it's it's worth talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I don't think we should dwell on that in case, especially we have because we have no information, information about no, the case exactly. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the other big news story of the week, partly because there's been three or four different aspects to it, has been the environment. Yes. Um, there was a news story that Snæfellsjökull will probably disappear completely by 2050. Right. I think is... there's been this knowledge that the glaciers are disappearing rapidly and the different implications of that in tourism and all sorts of industries. But Snæfellsjökull is something special. That's it's... that's really the that's that's the glacier that we see from Reykjavik. And there's so many stories attached with it. It's such a destination for people, both Icelanders and people in the country. People have a lot people have a lot invested in that in that little glacier. Mm. And it's quite small. It's the smallest by far, isn't it? Yeah. And it's got this mythology and um, and folklore surrounding it. Right. And, yeah. I mean, it's... that's Jules Verne. Uh, part of the journey to the center of the earth takes place there. I don't yeah. remember whether it's the entrance or the exit. To I think be honest it was with the you. entrance. Yeah. But then there's this. There's music festivals that happen around it, and all those sorts of woo-woo, sort of crystal power, hippy dippy sort of festivals. They probably ley lines. all sorts of people right now. <laughs> ley lines are supposed to ley converge lines, that's there. Right. That's right. Yeah. They, they cross through Snæfellsjökull. But, I mean, as you say, all of the glaciers, arguably, apart from one, are, are melting rapidly. And this is kind of the poster child for them, if you will, because it's so small and it's at the most risk. That's right, of completely disappearing. Yeah. And I think that Icelanders talk carefully about it. I don't think that they want to scare people away because tourism is obviously such an important factor in the country here, and mm. so much has happened with tourism recently as well. But um, it's it's a reality, and I think that people who visit the country know it's a reality. And some people are interested in it. Some people want to know, and some people definitely feel when they come that this is their chance to see them before they're gone. That's sad, isn't it? And there's that FOMO moment of uh, of, of of seeing these 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 huge natural phenomena. Mm. Absolutely, and uh, with as far as Snæfellsjökull is concerned, it's I mean it's a beautiful mountain anyway, um, right. and it's a volcano underneath it. And well, <laughs> yeah, we forget that. <laughs> it's bit, one of we? those glacier volcano double whammies, mm -hmm. which people I think sometimes forget. If it does disappear within thirty years, I'm saying it that way. That's shocking, isn't it? Thirty yeah. years, a fraction of the time that uh, uh, that it's existed, yeah. a, a, a splinter. Mm. What impact, I mean, will they have to get rid of the national park? Oh, is... I don't think so. I think it would be a huge monument to what what once was. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just quite sad. And hopefully it will get people's attention here, because I think there's a lot of work to be done in Iceland when it comes to climate change. Mm. And for the world as well. That's yeah. Iceland losing one of its most iconic glaciers. Hopefully, at least, it would make massive headlines. We'll get the lots world. of attention. Yeah, I mean that's some good that could come of it, isn't it? Yep. Uh, the other environmental story was um, this weekend. There was the Great Litter Pickup Day. Yes, I believe I'm not, I'm not sure I'm translating the name rightly. <laughs> the Great Litter Pickup Day. <laughs> I think that's Catchy. well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're talking about thousands of, of, of bags of rubbish picked up from from. The streets and beaches and things, including, of course, by the president. Who That's right. Has a bit of form in this area. Yes, I think that uh, it's great seeing the president and the first lady out there picking up trash, looking their best, mm -hmm. living their best trash picking up life. Exactly. And, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the of the first couple. I like, I like, I like the kind of visibility that they give the country, and they're doing it in different ways. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Each, each in their own way. I don't think she's lost in his shadow at all. No. Other, I mean, past heads of state, they've all had their own emphases. Vigdis mm-hmm. uh, was very much about language and culture. Right. Um, Olaf was. Had these things as well, dogs and finance, <laughs> <laughs> and of course uh, climate change too. He was right. was and is very uh, active in that field. Gwydney seems to be one of his things is is tidying up and picking up trash, right? Um, among many things, I also being think the guy kind of approachable, down to earth guy who cares about his neighbourhood. I think that both of them overlap in their interest in the power of the individual to make change as well. Even if it's as small as, as as picking up rubbish, litter, garbage, mm. whatever you want to call it, mm. I think Trash. that's 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 about volunteerism. I know is important to <clears throat> Eliza, and I think that that is that's that's something where they really they really shine, is showing what people can do on their own. Because it's hard to know. I mean, especially when glaciers are melting around us, it's hard to know what you can do on your own. And how do they connect, or do they? You know, what's that? Keeping the uh, keeping the environment tidy and climate change. I mean, it's a, it's an emphasis on on the place where we live. It's it's putting that as a it's making that a priority. Mm. And yeah, taking some responsibility. The official campaign collected um, over a thousand bags of rubbish yesterday, which has got to be considered some sort of success. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, maybe we should wonder why it's all out there in the first place. Yes. Mm. Who's throwing rubbish out their windows? Mm. Is it tourists? I don't know. I suspect it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, I mean, I think attitudes have been changing a lot recently, but yeah. there was a, very much a strong attitude, especially among young people, that it was cool to disrespect the landscape. Oh, really? I felt that. Huh. Maybe you didn't. I mean, I don't. Uh, my my observation hasn't been that cultural, maybe, or that deep into like the national psyche. But I have noticed in living here. That Icelanders can be real litter bugs, mm. especially for a country that takes such pride in its in its uh, in its environment, its pristine wilderness. Maybe part of that pride comes from not that not being that many people, and that you can do things. You, you've heard the saying "shorin um, Oh yeah, the, the ocean will the sea will swallow whatever you up. throw it, except for the yeah. massive islands of plastic that are now in the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> I think. The, the saying um, predates the existence of plastic. Oh, plastic islands? Yeah. Plastic, full stop, I guess. Right, right, right. Yeah. And there is that thing, isn't it? You can do almost what you want here because... Because it, what impact will you have? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that is just not true now. No. Not by a long way. Especially driving your car around. Mm. Yeah. If you're going to be driving your car around, don't be throwing things out the, the window. window. No, that's time. just doubly bad, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel that there is um, um, a step change taking place in, in these matters? Are people really taking it a lot more seriously? I don't know. I don't know. The, the, what's so emblematic to me right now is, you know, there's, this, there, 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 there's been this campaign to change Lagerwegur into a pedestrian street. The one main shopping street downtown. There's been such pushback on changing this into a pedestrian street. And it just seems like such an... an an easy answer to me mm. that obviously this should be a pedestrian street. There are there are automobile streets surrounding it. There are huge parking garages all through downtown. I know it's hard to find a parking place downtown if you want to park directly in front of where you're going. Sure, 
But it just seems like such a no-brainer that that should be able to be changed into a, a, a pedestrian street. I don't know. I don't understand the how, how car-centric Iceland can be. I think it's it just surprises me every time. Mm. I think of it as a Nordic country, and uh, as a Nordic country, I, I feel like the people are more progressive than that. But Iceland loves its cars, and I think that more than anything, that's got to be that's got to be where a change is made: is Iceland to step away from from its automobiles. Mm. I mean, I, I understand that opinion polls and whatever general feedback to the city has been very positive. People like the idea of having Lugavud as a pedestrian street, but it's the business owners that are pushing back hardest. That's true. Yeah, a lot of the business owners, which surprises me as well, because I, I feel like maybe they're a little bit out of touch with the people who are actually shopping. Mm. And so many of the businesses would enjoy having a pedestrian street there, where they can people can sit outside for, with cafes, and there'd be more there'd just be more room to walk around. Mm. It's quite crowded right now, especially as summer approaches. It's quite crowded to walk down Lagavulin when there's also automobile automobiles trying to go down there. Absolutely, and I've been shocked to to see certain individuals driving too quickly down there, and there's wild children and and, and dogs and people crowding down the small sidewalks and then people are f- filing through the middle in cars that are going way too quickly. It's, it's a just, recipe for disaster eventually. I, I, I see that when I leave Reykjavik that people sort of drive very fast, park sort of wherever, up on the curb, whatever. I think that's I think that's sort of like a something that's left over from a time when, when Reykjavik was much smaller and there wasn't a need really to park carefully. There wasn't a need to sort of think about pedestrians. It wasn't an urban center. Mm. And it's becoming that now. And people are need to sort of share this space. Automobiles, pedestrians, cyclists. Reykjavik is really coming in into its own as, as an urban area. And I would love it if there were more emphasis on pedestrians and bikes here. Mm. But it just doesn't feel like that's happening fast enough. For I mean, me, this, <laughs> I would like it to happen much faster. The network of cycle paths is is, is rapidly grown, and it's quite good now. Um, and you do see a lot of people using them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those cycling and and walking is still seen as a bit of a hobby, maybe. Absolutely, I feel like there's a more of an American attitude towards it here rather than a European attitude, rather rather as a viable way of getting around. And I just don't think that cars are held accountable mm. if they're driving too fast, if they're pike, they're parking in a bicycle lane. Uh, downtown, there's so much uh, uh, there's so much construction, and it, entire sidewalks will be closed off on both sides of the street, and it makes it very difficult to get around. And I just don't feel like maybe that people are thinking necessarily that people are are using any other form of transportation other than cars. As mm. long as the cars can get through, we're okay. Mm. That's the attitude I, I see right now. Querescata, are you thinking of perhaps? Uh, Querescata, and even the, even the street, the little street that we live on downtown, it's two blocks long. There's just an enormous amount of construction, and it's just. We wake up every morning. I walk to school with my. I, I walk my kids to play to to preschool, and I never know whether we're going to have to walk in the middle of the street, mm. with cars racing down. It just seems so strange because it's so quaint and little and beautiful downtown Reykjavik, but those cars, man, mm. they really wreak havoc. Yep. And rent. And rent. Uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully things are changing, but uh, not quickly enough. No. And the pedestrian street idea is they've been doing it in the summertime for a few years now. Yeah. With great results. And the That's idea- wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, but they're talking about changing it to a year-round thing. Right. And, of course, people aren't going to be sitting outside cafes in, in, in January. 
Um, so no, you... but people still walk around the city. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's, I, I understand both sides of the argument, put it that way. They're saying people, more people want to drive downtown um, and we should let them for the sake of our businesses thriving. I feel like the businesses that are on Leuweger are not going to suffer from people not being able to drive directly to their business. There are drivable streets on both sides of Leuweger. We're talking about one street in the very middle of downtown. Mm-hmm. It's not even a very good street to drive down. Oh, it's there's constantly people jumping out into the middle of the street. There's constantly tourists. Mm-hmm. And there's constantly people going on, uh, you know, runta. The, they're just driving up and down to see what they want to see, mm. which you can do on Karakata, which you can do anyplace else. Please mm. don't do it on Lagerweger. <laughs> we'll leave that there. Okay. I agree. <laughs> We're in agreement. Um, I guess the other environmental-related story uh, going on, it's not necessarily massive news, um, but government figures for uh, government figures and advice for their own agencies spending on social media advertising mm. is not clear yet. Yeah. What is clear is that the Environment Agency has been spending the most on social media advertising. Right. So my question to you is, how effective is that? How helpful is that for the Environment Agency? Well, and, and I mean, social media is the Wild West. Mm. And just because you have a big budget, just because you do a lot, just because you spend a lot on it, doesn't mean that it's necessarily effective. It's how it's spent. It's what sort of content is going up. How organized is the content? How organized is the media plan? I just think that there's all sorts of factors that need to be looked at as far as like how effective social media spending is. Mm. It can be extremely effective, especially with young people. I mean, you've got to meet them where they are. And I don't think you can do that. I don't know if I can say this on roof, <laughs> but like, I don't know if you can do that advertising on roof. You know what I mean? I feel like you've got to meet people where they're listening. Mm. Yeah. What about the, um, first of all, the use of public money on social media advertising, if that's okay or not? I mean, like you say, if you're reaching people with the right message, it probably is okay. I think it's, yeah, I, I think I think it's not just okay, I think it's necessary. That's where people listen now. Mm. That's, that, that's where the nation's attention is. And that's not true of every place. I think Iceland is especially keyed in. Iceland is especially tuned in to social media. I guess it relates in a certain way as well to the to the media um, law or the, the changes to the media regulation that are being talked about to help private media. There's newspapers and things, they're saying we're not getting enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruv perhaps is taking too much of our money, has been said, um, and the government is working on ways to help them. The biggest change in the last decade has been social media advertising and more right. money going to foreign companies um, and I'm wondering if there's a conflict of interest in public money going to social media, even oh, if it's even if it's appropriate. Maybe should the government be saying you have to spend it domestically? Well, I mean, these media outlets don't exist in a vacuum. These uh, most media outlets do have a presence on social media, and I think the fact that money is going to foreign companies like I don't know Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. For their or Google for for their for their ad campaigns, I mean that's a necessary evil. Perhaps there's all sorts of there's all sorts of money that is going to leave Iceland as part of the infrastructure for media. Mm. This is this is part of it. Fair enough. Um, the Environment Agency themselves, I I've seen them on social media. They have been putting up you know 
the sort of things you'd expect them to mm -hmm. reduce your plastic. Have you considered doing this and that? And it's yeah, and it's positive messages. I just hope it's reaching people. We are in the middle of a glut of, um, of uh, public holidays. Yes. <laughs> one does one right around the corner. Yep. On Wednesday. Woo! <laughs> I'm not sure. Didn't if see I, it coming. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can handle a five day week anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the, the five days off for Easter. Um, last week was the first day of summer. Um, that was on Thursday. That's a, maybe worth talking about. Not all of our listeners will know what the first day of summer is. And why it was held in April? <laughs> isn't it, isn't it the first day of one of the old months, the old Icelandic months? Mm. Harpa, Harpa, right? Mm. Yeah, I think the, the 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 Norse calendar was split into summer and winter. Right. None of this modern spring and autumn nonsense. No. So that's why. So that's why we had the first day of summer on this arbitrary day. Yep. Which is not arbitrary at all. What? It's a it's a it's a science of, of sorts. Yes. Mm -hmm. All scientists know that the first Thursday after <laughs> is when it all starts. And this year it was. It was quite summery. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. We we went out with the family to Karagerdi, to the agricultural school, and we're just worshipping the sun and out in the out in the grass. And it was great, mm. it, which always surprises me because typically the first day of summer in Iceland is miserable. But wasn't it, didn't it set a record in, in Reykjavik at least for the warmest day? Or the warmest first day of summer? Yes, yes it did. Quite some time. I've got a piece of paper here somewhere. <laughs> it was 14.7 degrees here in town, uh, beating the previous record of 13.5. Oh, there you go. So significant. Yeah, it was quite nice. It was. There was a lot of dust around, though. The sun didn't appear as much as we were told it would. No. Um, partly there was Saharan African desert dust high in the atmosphere that was blocking the sun a bit. Huh. Did you notice how orange the clouds looked for a while? I did not. It was. I wasn't thinking Saharan dust, though. No. And then lower down, there was a lot of <laughs> Icelandic dust. Yes, which is um, a problem. Yeah, and it did actually... There was some um, air quality warnings. Oh, out. really? Yeah. Ah, uh, that bums me out. Because we, yeah. uh, we think of Iceland as having such pure air and water, but, man, Reykjavik in the wintertime is just a West Virginia coal mine sometimes. <laughs> Just really hacking is. up a lung. Mm. It's rough. Mm. I've got a kid with asthma too, and you know we've just we've got to stay on top of it. We've really got to know when he can go outside and when he can't. And what are the main causes of this? It's the studded tires, and then just natural. I've heard causes. all sorts of things that I don't know if this is the studded tire company industry in Iceland <laughs> telling me that it's not the studded tires. Perhaps that's the case here. But someone was saying that it's not the studded tires. It's the sweeping of the road. It's like the, the street cleaning that's the problem, that it's that it's like stirring up too much dust. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know, but apparently it is, it is a growing problem. Mm. It is a growing problem. That is true, I believe. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there's a lot of dust in the highlands that can be blown this way. Is that right? And apparently from sub-Saharan Africa, too. Yeah. Shocking, right? Yeah. Um, so this week, we've got another day off. It's on Wednesday. It's the 1st right. of May. Um, what's that all about? The 1st of May? Well, that's uh, the International Day of Labor and Workers' Rights, something mm. along those lines. As an American, I'm not too in touch with those sorts of rights. <laughs> Our Labor Day is mainly about barbecues and putting the summer away. This is more about the beginning of summer. Um, oh, yeah, it's in different month, isn't it? In September. November, September. Yeah, yeah. But really, um, 
since moving to Iceland, I mean, labor rights and labor unions have become a lot more prevalent in my life. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate them. Mm. Negotiating my wage, my wage contract. That's great. I'm all for it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are going to be union-y kind of um, events on Wednesdays, got parades and people with banners and things, and right. barbecues. And barbecues. So, yeah. I think all of the unions organise something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got an email from my union, Fafed. Um, saying, Come oh, that's to, my union too. Is it? We're union buddies. Hey, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> um, uh, they're saying that they're holding an event on Clambertoon, I think, and there's okay. going to be concerts and this and that. And I believe all the unions do these yeah. things as well. So it's a, it's a great day. Well, I say it's a great day. It might be. Hopefully, it will be a great yeah. day. Um, it's certainly a great idea, and it's celebrated as a national holiday all over Europe. I think. Yeah. Although. Um, in the UK, for example, they always have the public holidays on a Monday, so it'll be the right. Monday after. No, I, th- I, th- I think this year especially will be good because there's been a lot more emphasis on low wage earners this year. Mm. They become they, they they become a a uh, a point of interest, and I think it's something that people should pay more attention to. How we treat our lowest wage earners is is emblematic of 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 how we're doing. I think as a society. Yeah. Let we, me be grandiose uh, about it. <laughs> <laughs> we are uh, running low on time already. Can okay. you believe it? And there's so much. I can go left. on and on. Me too. It's good. <laughs> um, there was the oldest Icelander, the literature festival. Okay. Um, stop me when you're interested. <laughs> the, the official visit to the UK of oh, the prime okay. minister. Yeah. Potatoes. Oh, let's talk potatoes. Yeah. Let's okay. talk taters. All right then. So it was a terrible summer last year, lots of rain, no good for growing potatoes, and so they've lifted the great potato embargo of 1873. I don't know. I just made that up. That's not a real thing. <laughs> oh, it's a real year, though. It is a real year, and but not a real embargo. No. No. Yeah. And so now, until the 11th of August, we'll be able to eat foreign potatoes. Not just that. You can cut them up and make them into seed potatoes. You could grow foreign you could potatoes. You grow foreign potatoes. Don't tell anyone that. Okay, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> um, we know we need we need we need diversity in horticulture. Yeah. We need we need to up the diversity here. It's interesting with this story that the farming the farmers association were behind. They were like recommending. They were all this. for it. Yeah, this was oh, their interesting. idea. They said, really? Yeah. They, oh, that surprises me. Well, they said we're running low. They're talking about quality. You see, we're we're not out of potatoes. We're out of Top good quality potatoes. potatoes. Oh, okay. So they don't want people to be buying not very good potatoes. They don't want to tarnish the good name of Icelandic potatoes. Precisely. The Golden Eye, is that the name of the Icelandic potato? Kutlega? Yes. Yes, okay. All this will, of course, be fact-checked before it goes on there, right? I thought that was a bird. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing is they also said in the same statement that they think we need a lot more potato farmers and Vegetable farmers more generally. I mean, not in enough. general, I feel like Iceland eats an enormous amount of potatoes. Is that a good thing? I don't know. I feel like maybe we could mix things up a little bit. Well, this is probably not something that the potato growers want out. That's not a message that they want to endorse. It's but... good to be able to grow a staple at home. That's right. I mean, we obviously we have rice here, but because things worked out every day. so well for Ireland. Oh, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can still import as we. This actually is a very good point. 
we're, we're having a potato problem. Now yeah. we're going to import potatoes. That's right. That was not the case 150 years no, ago. Couldn't do it. No, wasn't a viable option. Um, yeah, but I do like the idea of creating a sustainable food source for ourselves, and I feel like we could do more of that. More emphasis on growing Icelandic food. Mm. I feel like there was a, I think there's a lettuce company that's starting up, an indoor lettuce company in Reykjavik. I saw that one of the food markets. And I mean, I don't know if it's just sort of tourist schlock or if it's a real thing, but there's all this interest in geothermal farming. I mean, there has been for years, but there's interest in showing tourists geothermal farming and how and, and what it can do. I would love to see really what it could do here. Mm. There's Beyond I, tomatoes and cucumbers, I mean. Yeah, exactly. They've got that covered. Um and I've They've got that covered. Yes, the, the 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 selection is expanding as well. There's a lot more access to Icelandic strawberries now than there oh, yeah, used to be. Oh yeah, that's right. And, but uh, is, that's not geothermal, though, is it? I don't know. To be honest with you, I mean, probably. When we went to the agro school, they were growing bananas. Mm. They were growing figs. They were growing avocados. Wow. Yeah, it's just amazing what can be done. I just wish more of it were being done. It wasn't just sort of a spectacle, like look at our the largest banana plantation in Europe. Mm. <laughs> They were talking of spectacles. They did exactly that, didn't they? It was um, one of the organic shops, Frölöger, I think, mm-hmm. maybe. They said, last week, if you spend 5,000 kroner with us, we'll give you an nice Icelandic banana. banana. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. And do you know what? I would have been tempted. Absolutely. I'm ready to try an Icelandic banana. Yeah. I'm so proud of that. I'm so proud that this country can has the capacity to do something like that. Mm. Well, shockingly enough, um, we are out of time. It has been just a real pleasure. Thank you. Uh, likewise, um, The Week in Iceland will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app, and as a podcast next Monday afternoon, the 6th of May. For now, it's an enormous thank you for the chat to my guest, Jonas Moody, and also to Lydia Gretasdottir for running the studio. We'd like to finish the show with the number one song on the Raustver chart, and this week that is Glowy with her song Cruel. Bye for now. Damn. And if it-
So whatever.